This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann, and with me today, she is the co-host of the Basketball Party Podcast, Kim Houston. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, we are of the week of trade deadline. We've had some exciting things happen uh, for the uh, trade deadline, which we will uh, get into. Actually, a few days before the trade deadline, but close enough, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, but first, we uh, the, the purpose of the show is to uh, talk about uh, Rashid Wallace and the trade that was he was made, the two trades actually, that eventually got him to the Detroit Pistons. And we're going to talk about uh, how that led the Pistons to winning a championship, how that team was built, lots of fun stuff there. But First, I just want to talk about our feelings about Rasheed Wallace. Obviously, we are both uh, hardcore basketball fans. You are a Pistons <laughs> fan. How, yes. how do you feel about Rasheed Wallace? Um, I think Rasheed Wallace is probably my favorite Piston of all time. Uh, and I guess there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to... Uh, the personality that Rashid Wallace had, because not only was he certainly a numbers getter for the team, he, he just like, he exuded a certain swagger, which I think is like, I can't believe I said that aloud, but it's true. <laughs> he, but he seemed like he was down for all of his teammates always. And he made it, he really did make it about the game, which I, I really respect in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, both teams played hard, you know? And <laughs> they did. They did. Ball don't lie, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and and he was a well of catchphrases as well. Uh, like, absolutely. Let, let's not forget about that. We, we should not forget about that. Yeah. I, he was, you know, he's, he's this massive contradictions in a way because he is – in many ways, such a great guy. I mean, his teammates, you know, largely loved him, especially in Detroit. Um, I think almost universally in Detroit, you know, he was loved. 
He's full of honesty. He's um, such a, a a smart player in the way that he you know understands the movement of the game, understands defense. Um, you know all these things. He's you know takes the game seriously, but doesn't take you know the aspects of the game too seriously. Uh, also, does have you, you know especially in Portland had a reputation of um, making things maybe more difficult than they needed to be. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously got into some legal entanglements and some other things going on, but he's also, uh, you know, that's also a, um, he, he, that's also part of his generation and, and part of, you know, being a, um, a proud African-American male dealing in a business that is predominantly managed by uh, older white men and the conflicts that arise um, from that. So there, there, there's just so much thing that's compelling about, you know, both him as a person, his story, you know, a, as he developed through the NBA and just, um, you know, and, and he's very quotable, as you said. Oh, very quotable. And um I think one of I, I think we forget as time goes on how good he was on the court, and especially when you look about how the the trade that led him to Detroit like just basically changed the course of that team's postseason. Um, I I think history has kind of forgotten him a little bit because what what we like to think about now I guess is how quotable quotable pardon me he is. And kind of, of course, we always think of the technical fouls. Like, I I think that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people go to when thinking about his legacy. Um, That I I, I don't think it represents the full picture of Rashid very well. Um, But, I mean, certainly I I think it does go back to how he felt about his teammates and... um, speaking up about what he thought were injustices during uh, gameplay. But, um, yeah, he, he certainly changed the face, changed the face of uh, those Pistons teams. Absolutely. And we're going to get into that, but we want to – the big news, of course, that we alluded to is um, another player who is not afraid to speak his mind, not afraid <laughs> – for sure. <laughs> yeah, not afraid to collect technical fouls. Um, not afraid to you know anger a uh, an older white male establishment that uh, is sometimes views him suspiciously. Uh, not afraid to get into it with teammates sometimes you know um, in ways that come out publicly. Demarcus Cousins was um, recently traded from the uh, from the Sacramento Kings to the New Orleans Pelicans for a you, you know for a haul that was. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, you know, not, not that stout. The Pelicans did not necessarily have to give up that much to get uh, Demarcus Cousins, and we'll we'll get into the Rashid trade and the return that that got later. But I, I mean, I, I don't think it's difficult to um, look, find parallels between Cousins and uh, Rashid, both you know on and off the court, both known for you know, tremendous charity work, both known for you know being loyal to their friends and and, and such. And they're obviously different individuals in, in many respects as well. And Cousins has not had the team success that um, Rashid has had so far. But you know, you you can definitely make a lot of comparisons between those two situations. And I know that you have some things to talk about when it comes to Demarcus. Um, I, I just think it's, uh, really interesting, um, kind of, especially in the, in the light of the parallel of even the, the Rashid trade is it, it doesn't seem, and this might be just me, my own purview, but it didn't feel like, uh, 
Sacramento got a whole lot. I, I thought it was really interesting. So uh, they got Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, and uh, Langston Galloway. And they they sent Cousins and Omri Caspi. But I, I thought it was interesting that uh, Vladi Divac thought that Buddy Heald had uh, a certain quality that is uh, akin to <laughs> to um, sorry. I, I believe to Steph Curry. Yeah, to Steph Curry, which it's see, I, I guess. Yeah, um, I, 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 I would think, be my opinion. Right. <laughs> no, not 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 mine either. I I I think that may have more of been you know Vivek rent um the owner's uh, opinion of um mm-hmm. uh, you know of, of Hield. I'm not, I'm not sure that that uh, Vlade believed that necessarily as much. It, it is worth noting that the uh, Kings also did get a first round pick and a what's probably going to be a pretty good second round pick for it. So mm-hmm. a little more than just those players, but but yes, not the kind of return that you would have expected. Whether that's reflective of you know the fact that just because of Cousins um problems that he has had just the problems that the organization has had in the mm-hmm. years that he's been there and you know whether it's an attitude issue or maybe just them not doing particularly good due diligence or maybe you know, actually falling in love with uh buddy healed and thinking that he could be the next to marcus cousins which seems like you know to, to you and i and to many others a a, a misevaluation of um you know healed's prospects but uh yeah, I, I, it is quite surprising, and it doesn't necessarily say a whole lot uh, for the Kings. It's going to be really interesting to see how that works for the uh, Pelicans because, um, you know, I, Cousins and Davis is obviously you know incredible talent there, mm-hmm. but it's going to be really oh, yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see how they fit together and you know how that um, is going to take some time for them to kind of you know figure out. The, their spots on the floor, get everyone, you know, working around them. I actually think Caspi's kind of a nice um, addition for them because I think he fills some needs that they, um, you, you, you know, have, have kind of lost. Oh, so, yeah, he's, he's a really good swing man. Right. So, so I, it'll, you know, just they'll have to do kind of different things than they're used to doing. And, you know, who takes what roles, you know, the in terms of the, you know, the leadership there or you know, both, you know, on and off the court and whether, you know, they have – good harmony or whether they have fire and whether they need fire. There, there's so many interesting dynamics about, uh, you know, for the rest of the season and for, you know, at least next season, how that's going to play out for the Pelicans. Yeah. And I, I, I guess um, when all of this, when this whole trade kind of took place, I, I was really surprised because it, I really didn't think Sac- Sacramento was going to give up DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I didn't either. I was very surprised yeah. too. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I mean, there have been so much. There were so many times where you know there was reports about them shopping him, or you know, mm-hmm. you hear the rumors all the time. You're just kind of like, okay, wake me when they actually do anything. And it's always kind of like you know the the boy who cried wolf. I think was uh, I, I heard on several podcasts compared to today, and that's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, here we go again. And uh, but I, I guess what's uh, difficult for me is that (sighs) kind of what you said in terms of seeing how uh, he deals with the famous unibrow there in New Orleans and 
both of their how how their temperaments interact. Um, just because it seems that I I don't think uh, Anthony Davis is very much a hothead, but I think and it was similar for Rashid and certainly for Demarcus Cousins is it, it seems like and probably what pushed this trade in terms of uh, them letting Demarcus Cousins go and waving uh, Matt Barnes as well is that it just looks like Sacramento was looking for a change in the locker room and to be more forward thinking um, uh, about the future of the Sacramento Sacramento Kings organization. Uh, but I don't know, like I, I feel like it's always uh, a balancing balancing act, um, especially because looking back on trades from the past, we can be like, oh, we know better than them. Um, but I don't know. This this one I, I think is going to be particularly interesting just because um, the the personality dynamics are so interesting. And I don't know. I Has anybody looked at Matt Barnes' Instagram page lately? Because... <laughs> Uh, I, I, I haven't, but but I'm kind of concerned what what's happening. Yeah, I, I try not to make a habit of uh, looking at his Instagram page. I mean, it, it just for my um, you know for, for my mental health, I try to avoid uh, going on there too often. Um, but we'll see. We'll we'll look afterward and see if we can find anything good uh, there. Oh, okay. I'm sure it'll make I'm sure it'll make news pretty quickly. You know, there's a uh, uh, there's a lot of people who are you know obviously paying close attention to those things. So we'll uh, we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. <laughs> so back to the Pistons a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to see, you know, how they were built. You know, be, before two thousand and four, they obviously the Bad Boys run was long over. They you know rebuilt around Grant Hill in the late nineties, mm-hmm. had some success there, and um, but then Grant Hill of, of course went to um, Orlando. And in mm-hmm. the sign and trade that they uh, that, that that they um, they made with Orlando, ended up with a little player named Ben Wallace who worked out pretty well. Yeah, turns out he wasn't such a bad guy. Yeah, not not at all. And um, <laughs> they were able to uh, kind of reconstitute an identity around Ben Wallace. Obviously, defensive minded, great rebounding. Uh, they brought back the old colors after the unfortunate teal experiment. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, and um, right, and, and, and pretty quickly, you know, they were able to put together the pieces, um, you know, that that would lead to uh, that that would lead to this championship season. Um, Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups were both acquired. I think Billups was the free agent, and Rip Hamilton was uh, mm-hmm. traded for Jerry Stackhouse before the two thousand and three season. Uh, Tayshawn Prince also was drafted uh, that year. Uh, both in 2002 and 2003, the Pistons were 50 and 32. Coached by Rick Carlisle in the 02 season, they lost in the second round to Boston four games to one. In 2003, they made the Eastern Conference Finals, but were swept by the Nets in the second of their uh, finals appearances. So, you know, making good progress there. Certainly, a mm-hmm. you know a, a, a good team that you know had some nice talent. They you know no one there was viewed as a franchise player, but it was a nice you know mm-hmm. success story under you know new executive um, Joe Dumars. Yeah, Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars. 
I have so many feelings about Joan Dumars. What, what are some feelings about Joan Dumars? <laughs> so, um, I, I think, I mean, he pulled off pretty much one of the, the, one of the, if not one of the best trades of the 2000s by acquiring Rashid. Um, and I, I kind of get a little emotional about it, uh, just because he has so many, you know, what we now consider like latter day sins and, you know, uh, you're referring to he a- drafted Darko. Yeah. For example, like, so, so there are many, so in the, um, I am in the future also, um, type ways of looking at it that, uh, he certainly built and maintained, uh, that 2000, 2000s roster. Let's call it that. Um, he maintained it and built it and, um, won a championship and went to the Eastern conference finals, uh, several times and made really exciting teams. But then, uh, he, he kind of fell into one of the pitfalls of, uh, GMs that I, I guess it might be my personal, uh, I don't know. My thing that I, I find annoying is when you when you hold on to nostalgia too long, or you hold on to players too long, uh, out of the sake of the past or the history uh, with them. Like I, I, he he was too sentimental to to a fault, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but man, those teams they were great. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they absolutely were and um yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting the 2003 team so, so the year before they win the championship mm-hmm. um that year their their leading minutes um players who had their leading minutes ben wallace was first and uh mm-hmm. second was 36 year old clifford robinson uh who i'd forgotten yeah. <laughs> had a nice run with the uh, pistons then um you know, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups in their mm-hmm. first year each with the team are next. And then Corliss mm-hmm. Williamson, who had a small role on the championship team and then was gone after that. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we have a 34-year-old Michael Curry and 33-year-old John Barry, uh, who are, who are the, you know, the, the, have the heavy minutes. And then we end with Chucky Atkins and then and Mehmet Okor in the uh, first year for him on the Pistons. Tayshaun Prince had only 435 minutes in his rookie season. Obviously would become a very important player that second year. But um, mm-hmm. so... 2004, after they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals, they they bring in Larry Brown as the coach. Um, and they were coached by Rick Carlisle, who, as we mentioned, obviously has had a mm-hmm. brilliant coaching career, you know, some really good years with Indiana. And then, of course, you know, uh, last several years with the Mavericks, won a championship in 2011. I mean, obviously his, you know, like obviously in, in most situations, firing Rick Carlisle would not be a good decision for the franchise. And maybe mm-hmm. you could argue long term there's some issues there because Larry Brown, of course, uh, did not last very long. But I, I think they would take the championship over, you know, anything anything that led them to the championship. I think they're pretty happy with even if it wasn't the best long-term thing. So, um, mm-hmm. so, so, so they're in the situation where, okay, they've got most of the core pieces in. Um, 
And as we mentioned, Okor is around. He's more of a supporting piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindsay Hunter is back. Um, Chorus Williams, as we mentioned, is there. Um, Eldon Campbell is uh, still around. Got got some older guys there, and um, they're able to you know kind of have some smart moves to have these players have kind of some expiring contracts and have guys mm-hmm. that they can end up flipping for um, Rashid, which ends up working out really well. Um, which ends up working out really well for them. Yeah. Uh, so Rashid's reputation before coming to Detroit, um, <laughs> he was certainly uh, someone who, um, you know, he was considered talented. Portland had some really good teams when he was there, um, including a team that came very, very close to making the 2000 finals. Um, was a two-time All-Star, but then eventually uh, became part of this team that had became, that got the reputation, the nickname of the Jailblazers, of course. Yes. And, and had Jailblazers. Yes. I always I always liked that moniker in terms of I don't know. I I liked all the I liked the little bad boys moniker for the the '80s Pistons. I don't know. Uh, it, it's nice to have a good nickname for a basketball team, don't you think? I, I do. I I, I think I, <laughs> eventually, of course, Jailblazers. You know, I I think was a little more derisive than you know, like like <laughs> yeah. if the uh, Blazers had been you know good during that time, maybe they could have lived <laughs> that down. But that really became their nickname once they became bad. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The bad boys obviously as a tremendous. Uh, one of the better nicknames for uh, teams. I, I can't think of anything that kind of compares to that in terms of, you know, I, I iconic imagery and all that. Obviously, they're, they're primarily mm-hmm. known as the, I mean, I guess Showtime is is strong as well, but but not quite, you know, bad boys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he is uh, in this situation where, you know, finally, you know, the, the team is fed up with them. He is fed up with the team. He... Um, has a record in a season for technical fouls. He ends up uh, breaking the career record for technical fouls uh, at the end of his career. Um, you know, has has legal issues, marijuana arrests, tantrums with teammates, throwing a towel in Arvita Sabonis's face, which you know maybe seems unwise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, so, yeah. Suspe- Not the best move, maybe. No, suspended seven games in 2003 for threatening an official after a game with the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. That referee ended up being Tim Donaghy. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe Rashid was right in that situation. I'm just you know I'm gonna go ahead and you know maybe we owe a retroactive apology for that one. Yeah, I, I mean maybe yeah I, I kind of think so. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think so. Yeah. So maybe maybe he knew what was up before. Um, uh, you know, before any of the, and the rest of us knew what was up. So, yeah. Uh, so we we get to the trade, but first he has to uh, be traded to the Atlanta Hawks. And on February 9th, two thousand and four, the uh, the Trailblazers send Wallace and Wesley Person to the Hawks for Sharif Abdul Rahim, Theo Ratliff, and Dan Dicka, who was a, a little used guard. Um, mm-hmm. And. Uh, the Blazers president, Steve Batterson, said that uh, the team had required three players of good character. And uh, the Blazers GM, John Nash, said, I think you'll see a quick integration of these guys in the locker room because they're good guys. So, uh, which uh, another interesting parallel to what the Kings said after DeMarcus Cousins left. Yeah, just really trying to 
fix up that locker room, you know? And, and Indeed, yes. And, and throwing some shade at, at the guy who was leaving, which is not, not the best move for an organization, I would say. No, I... I don't know. Like, I, part of me sometimes feels like there's not really... I don't know. Sometimes I, I kind of wish they would go to, like, couples counseling or something <laughs> and figure it out. Yes. Before all of this stuff has to be in the media. I mean, I, I guess it's fun in a, a certain way because folks like you and I get to talk about it. But it, I don't know. It, it, it can't be that great for DeMarcus Cousins to think that he's some kind of detrimental, you know, person in the locker room. But but who knows? Maybe he is. Right. Um, but, I mean, if, <laughs> I if it is true, that behavior should probably be pointed out to him, you know. but and, Yeah, and, and, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, a season or two ago. Yeah. And and perhaps it was, but uh, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. these have, this has come after many times of frustration, and you know, I guess it's understandable if you're dealing with somebody who's been a pain in the neck for you, uh, for you for years. You're just you know, maybe not going to be nice on the way on their way out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like Becky in accounting finally has it. Yeah, and tells yeah. everybody where to go. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a new accountant with some good character. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. <laughs> So Rasheed Wallace plays one glorious game for the Atlanta Hawks, and I happen to be living in Atlanta during this time. I, I lived there for four years in the mid two thousands. Became a Hawks fan soon after this, but I was fo- you know kind of following what was going on with the team. I was dipping my toes into N- NBA fandom um, at this point. Um, so meaningful to me for for uh, you know my pre Hawks fandom. Um, in, in the game, he played 42 minutes. He had 20 points, 8 of 24 shooting, which I guess is the, you know, the, the well, no, I, I guess Kobe was 6 of 24 in the finals, wasn't he? I was thinking the, you know, honorary Kobe line, but, eh, you know, good enough. Yeah, yeah close <laughs> enough. Yeah. Did have six rebounds and five blocks in that game. It was a loss to the Nets. Um, and um, it, 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 he was an expiring contract, so it was, it was a little bit of a puzzling move to trade him. You know, they were in the midst of a rebuilding situation, but... You know, I mean, I guess the idea was to flip um, Wallace, and, and the, the deal they ended up getting, which we'll discuss in just a moment, was not necessarily the best return. I don't know if they would have been better off just trying to trade. Um, you know, try. I mean, Abdul Rahim was a talented player who you know had, had mm-hmm. but had not been on winning teams. Um, you know, Ratliff had. Uh, I, I think he'd been slowed by injuries, but had some talent. So I, I, I don't know if they necessarily made the best strategic point, but you know, the, yeah, you get a game with, you know, you get a Rashid one game with the Hawks. So you got to take advantage of it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know, go for it. Go for like, it. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna have the person for a single game, you know, make history. Yeah. Yeah, make history. Yeah. Just go for it. Right. Just you got to go for it. Yeah. So the second trade, it's essentially the Pistons were able to get Wallace for uh, Bob Sura, Chucky Atkins, Lindsey Hunter, um, Zeljko Rebraka, and uh, two non-lottery first-rounders. Yes. That's a pretty good haul. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an amazing haul. Yes. I, I mean, it... Um... I was recently talking to a friend about this and really the only time I ever think about Lindsay Hunter is when I see a Lindsay Hunter Jersey when I'm somewhere at like pitchfork or Lollapalooza and I, and I've already blacked out. 
I, I could imagine a, a Lindsay Hunter jersey would be a favorite of the concert hipsters, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you know, and and you'd probably see Chucky Atkins out there too. Oh yeah, yeah, Chucky Atkins. That's that. Yeah, that's for no sure. brainer right like, there. Yeah. One of the consummate Pistons. Mm-hmm. Like you just you hear Chucky Atkins and you think Pistons. You you yes. definitely do. Uh, absolutely, uh, he's the supreme yeah. Piston. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, they got Sheed for a song. Yes. Now it is worth noting that the picks here turned into Josh Smith for to the, Josh Smith, yeah, yeah, for the Hawks, and then Tony Allen was the other one for the Celtics. So, um, so they, they, you know, I mean, they happened to be good picks. They were like seventeenth mm-hmm. and twenty ninth or something like that. So they were not, you know, um, like I said, they, they, they didn't really miss out. I guess they got the Josh Smith experience later. So, um, yeah, they enjoyed that. But. <laughs> Everyone gets the Josh Smith experience yes. later. Yeah, we all we all enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but, but so there was immediate impact. Uh, the uh, the Pistons uh, ended the season twenty and four. Uh, once Rashid uh, got there, it was you know pretty seamless. Um, you know for them to. Um, as far as the fit went, um, I mean, it was a great both offensive and defensive pairing with uh, Ben Wallace, um, and they, you know, improved significantly uh, in their defensive rating. And the Pistons in the mid two thousands had one of the best, uh, you know, defenses in NBA history when you consider, you know, how much better it was compared to league average. Yes, and um, and and so we kind of harped on. Uh the the locker room fit I, I think she was probably a great fit for his teammates in Detroit too he, he certainly obviously helped out numbers wise and uh provided what he needed to on the team but I I, I think he was also just that kind of cohesive uh gel that that the team really needed and people talk a lot about like the locker room and um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of chemistry that kind of goes into making these teams, and and I think that's one of the interesting things about this particular team is that they beat the Lakers, who, you know, they they were certainly the dynasty uh, of that time, uh, thanks to Kobe. Um, so. I, I think he did bring a certain je ne sais quoi uh, in the locker room for that team. Nice. Uh, that, you know, he, he got everyone uh, like championship belts. Like they were wrestling. I, I, I don't know much about wrestling, but it, it definitely looked like a wrestling belt. Yes, luckily, I do know lots about <laughs> wrestling. And uh, <laughs> they were the uh, the world heavyweight championship uh, yes. belts of the uh, mid two thousands, and not as to opposed to the WWE championship belt, which is a completely different lineage, a completely different design. Mm-hmm. And I, I could go into the differences between them, but I will not because <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah, no, it's cool. If you want to, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he definitely um, brought something to that team. Uh, that was sorely needed. Um, and I, I think that just kept carrying on because they did continue to have success uh, after that season. I, I, I just don't think that they could necessarily uh, 
reca- recapture the magic. It, I, I think it just kept getting uh, too difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, they were certainly close. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they you know, they made six straight uh, Eastern Conference Finals, five after you know she'd got there. So they were, you know, they, they were an excellent team. They, um, you, you, I want to discuss a little bit more of the 04 season before we get into the later stuff. But they, you know, they they yeah. had their chances. I mean, that you know. I, the slight difference here and there, you know, maybe if Larry Brown decides he wants to, you know, stay in Cleveland instead of, or excuse me, stay in um, Detroit instead of running off for another job. I knew he was talking to Cleveland for a while and he ended up in mm-hmm. New York, which did not go well for him. You maybe, maybe that's enough. Um, maybe they draft somebody else besides Darko. Maybe that's, you know, um, <laughs> that's enough. Or maybe that, you know, if they put, if they have Carmelo Anthony, maybe that, kind of derails what they're trying to do even though obviously Carmelo Anthony is talented they design their team completely different and maybe they have maybe there's some benefit long term but they you don't win the championship that year I mean there's obviously Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of interesting what-ifs with this team there there always is but there's a a particularly interesting what-ifs um you know given you know how a couple of things here went down oh yeah um because I I don't know, because in terms of the immediately making an impact to the um, kind of the culture of the team, I don't know. We're talking about the trade trade deadline, and I keep going back to thinking about one of the trade deadline mishaps that I keep going back to is, uh, and this is a tangent, I apologize, but when the like 2011, yeah, 2011, when uh, the Celtics traded uh, Kendrick Perkins, ah uh, yes, to uh, the Thunder, I, I think that ruined, I think that ruined Boston's chances. Yeah, I, I think that kind of ruined the the good juju that they had in their locker room. And I I think that was a big uh, contributor to Rondo becoming like disillusioned and not that great. And yeah, there was a lot there, but um, I don't know. I, I keep going back to the, the locker room aspect of everything, but um, sometimes, I think a lot of these trades are done kind of hastily in that way mm-hmm. without thinking about the re- repercussions. Yeah, and it, and it's difficult to know when to make it work. I mean, you know, honestly, there is definitely a world in which, you know, Rashid Wallace comes into the Pistons and, you know, damages what they have. If, if you know, if he had behaved in, you know, the, the way that he was reputed to in Portland and caused, I mean, he certainly, you know, he was himself. He, you know, he, you know, the technicals did not stop the, you know, I'm sure there, I'm sure there <laughs> yeah. were issues and and there were things that, you know, he was still being himself. But, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like he had, you know, the same kind of conflicts necessarily that, we, you know, with the organization, certainly, uh, you know, he got along with mm-hmm. everyone, you know, for, for the most part, uh, pr- pretty well, it seems like, you know, the, the coaches and and all that he respected Larry Brown a lot and, you know, and got along pretty well with Flip Saunders from, from what I understand. So, um, 
But if it had been the same, you know, guy doing the same thing that he did in Portland, that might have, you know, um, been a step back for them, even though it was obviously a huge upgrade in uh, talent. And that's another thing that's another good parallel with the Pelicans is that, uh, you know, I would make the trade they made in a heartbeat to have the chance at DeMarcus Cousins. But there's definitely a scenario where, you know, it, it ends really badly. People don't get along and DeMarcus still has more problems and, you know, they uh, and Anthony Davis isn't happy and everyone's in a funk and it's, you know, it, it's a bad situation. So, I mean, I I think there was definitely, you know, a non-zero chance of Rasheed Wallace going to the Pistons ending up being a disaster. And obviously it worked out just about as well as it you know possibly could have. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's certainly the fact that it turned into magic is one of Joe Dumar's saving graces. Like, I, I think it's one of the, it's the feather in his cap. Yeah. And, and you know, he really made the difference, of course, you know, um, he was able to, you know, be a floor spacer, but also be, you know, tremendous post defender and he could, you know, defend bigs and, um, you know, and wing players as well. You know, you battle against Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, you know, um, you know, almost anybody. He was he had that ability to be just a great, you know, defensive player, and um, and took the Pistons to another level. I mean, obviously Ben Wallace, you know, they're already tremendous defense, and they have other, you know, uh, Billups. You know, everyone there was a pretty uh, stout defender. So, um, and they had a stout defensive coach. So he wasn't the only reason by any um, stretch of the imagination, but he definitely put them over no. over the top. Um, so in the playoffs, they. Um, you know they 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 coast through you know pretty pretty well they they beat the bucks in the first round four games to one uh fairly easily there obviously the the second round a little bit tougher they they beat the uh, champion uh, new jersey nets in seven avenging the uh sweep from the uh, previous year and then in the eastern conference finals uh, they battled the uh, indiana pacers and uh mm-hmm. beat them in six games and this is the uh the garen sheed uh mm-hmm. after uh, the loss in uh <laughs> In game two, he he, he guaranteed a, a victory uh, in the next game, and they went on to, of course, uh, win the series. But you know, as he talked about, they in the finals they battled against the heavily favored, um, you know, Lakers dynasty that had won three in a row and was in their fourth finals in five years. Kobe and not not to mention Shaq, of course, um, mm-hmm. and had added Carl Malone and um, Gary Payton, and you know were still they they were aging and they were a little top heavy, but they still you know were forced to be reckoned with. Uh, you know when Malone was healthy that year, they were they were awesome, and um, yeah. You know, in retrospect, you could kind of see the Pistons win in that series coming, but at the time, it was absolutely a shocker. Oh yeah. Um... I remember watching that series because, um, so I, I kind of, my NBA fandom trajectory kind of started around this time in the like late two thousands. Um, I watched the malice in the palace in my dorm room and, uh, I grew up in Indiana, and so it was kind of weird because I was this kind of vague Pacers fan, but not really. Um, Because I I, I mostly grew up in southern Indiana near Kentucky, so there was really no need for me to have a strong allegiance to the Pacers because that was very much Indianapolis and... Um, I ended up moving to Michigan in uh, 2000, 
2007. So I, I was kind of there for the the waning years of these teams and got to see uh, a lot of a lot of games there and see uh, some not great. Pistons basketball as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I, I certainly have a lot of fondness for these teams and definitely uh, remember a lot of these games with such like vivid memories, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one big thing about this uh, series is, you know, the fact that, um, you know, Rashid was overcoming the Lakers who, you know, had bested them in 2000 in the Western Conference Finals. You know, that that game seven where they, you know, blew that huge lead um, mm-hmm. and, and had you know, they'd beaten them several times in the playoffs as well. So this was, you know, an, an ability to not just win a championship, but also um able to you know beat beat the uh, dreaded uh lakers ended that dynasty i mean that's a huge um uh, you know um i mean they they were probably splitting up anyway but uh certainly losing in the <laughs> series d- didn't help that uh, series he, he he played very well in the uh series you know was able to you know def- uh, you know uh, made his mark on uh on on defense and was uh you know it was, it was a pretty balanced effort for the uh the Pistons, as you know, they were uh, known for doing. They had you know five <laughs> roughly you know equal uh, players at that time. You know, all, all five contributed <laughs> in in different ways, and were you know there wasn't necessarily a uh, you know. I mean, I, I think Billups and um, and Ben was probably the two strongest you know players historically. But at the time, they were all you know excellent contributors who contrib- who were very good in uh, different ways. So. Looking at the you know the kind of the later years in um, mm-hmm. you know '05, they lose to they go to the finals again, but they lose to the Spurs in uh, seven games. Yeah. Uh, Rashid has you know unfortunately his mistake is probably the best known <laughs> thing about this series, uh, leaving Robert Ory open for a three pointer, and that gave the yeah. Spurs the win in that uh, series. I remember that moment uh, very very well watching that series and decided to double Mono Ginobili instead of uh, going after Ori. And, uh, and yeah, they lose. Uh, it, it was a very good – it's a very competitive series. The, the basketball uh, might have been a little bit uh, ugly. A lot, a lot of defense going on there. A lot, a lot of slow uh, basketball. A lot, a lot of mid-2000s uh, ugly basketball before things got a little yeah, more exciting. Yeah, definitely ugly basketball. And it's definitely um, – I've had a definite change of heart on the – the Spurs, um, because a lot of my hatred came from that time and, (laughs) and not from, Oh, they beat my team. Not like that. But to your point, it was a lot of really ugly, ugly basketball. And I, I just always kind of equated, uh, equated them to kind of that time. Um, although, you know, I, I feel like they've redeemed themselves in a way. Yeah, I, I mean, they very much changed their style. But it, you know, like like anything, it takes a while for the reputation to catch up with the reality. So the the reputation of the Spurs was you know slow and boring even for a couple of years after they you know were no longer um, were no longer that. I mean, you know, obviously mm-hmm. once they went back to the finals again in you know the. 
early two th- early 2010s mid 2010s mm-hmm. they kind of changed up what they uh, did but yeah they definitely um I mean, I, I still enjoy watching the, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy watching just about any NBA basketball. So it's certainly, um, I, I don't mind it as something different, but I, I am glad the style of play <laughs> has shifted to more, you know, what they, uh, what they did. Um, you know, in the, um, so then, as we mentioned, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals again in 06, 07, and 08. Mm-hmm. Lost in six games each time. They um, the, the first two were probably significant upsets. They lost in six games to the Heat um, in 06. That was the uh, the, the the Shaq and um, uh, Shaq and Wade Heat, of course. Um, and uh, then in 2007, the Cavs another uh, upset, but they were just kind of unable to uh, deal with LeBron James in that uh, series. Of course, LeBron famously having the you know the the 25 um, points in a row, um, you know, just incredible fourth quarter performance, and you know, leading that leading the Cavs to victory there. And then in 2008, they they're probably the inferior team at this point, losing <laughs> to the Celtics in um, six games, and then. Soon after, uh, they uh, trade uh, early in the next season, 2009, I think just a, mm-hmm. a couple games into the season, they end up trading Chauncey Billups for Allen Iverson. And that basically ends their um, run as, you know, a, a championship contender in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. you. The only thing that uh, I would say that you missed is that I, I think it was the 2006 where they had um, – all four of them uh, in the All-Star game. That's right. And uh, that that was particularly fun because they had um, Mason, the Pistons announcer, do, like, the announcement for the All-Star game. And that was always fun because he, he's always a good time. Uh, he, he, he certainly always brings the party uh, for the Pistons games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. I I think it was a those teams had an amazing run, um, and I don't know. I, I kind of it's amazing that they've they lost to teams and players that would then become kind of dynastic in a way. If you look at. Uh, the Spurs, and depending on how you want to view those uh, Celtics teams with KG and and the truth, e- even though they, they never really uh, repeated again. And obviously LeBron, I-, I have friends who still are real, real raw about those fuck Detroit chants. <laughs> Still real, real raw about it, even to this day. Right. (laughs) Um, So um, they certainly have uh, a legacy that um, an an important legacy and and one that I kind of think it's washed over when we think about uh, that era of basketball, really, because they were in the Eastern conference finals so many times, but they only had the one championship. So I, I think they get glossed over a little bit, but, um, yeah, in some ways they're kind of the transition team between the, kind of the, the Kobe Shaq era into the, like the LeBron Wade 
era a little bit. I mean, as you mentioned, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they battle the. I mean, they battle Wade and LeBron into successive playoffs, who of course end up joining together in the Heat. You know, years later, and are battling that Celtics team. That they're they're kind of in between. You know, those two you know generations in a sense. Even though the Celtics guys were a bit older, but those were all guys who were you know <laughs> unproven at that level, and then you know had a you know three four year run of you know being in finals and having you know being a team that could have won a, a championship you know possibly. So. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're right in the middle there. And they, they, I mean, it's, I don't want to say they underachieved because, you know, I mean, winning a championship is really hard and they, you know, came close to, you know, they were really good. So they, uh, you know, they accomplished a lot. They didn't, you know, have, they had, I think, guys who weren't necessarily seen as superstars, but we realize now, okay, they were superstars, but they weren't superstars in the same way that LeBron James is a superstar. I mean, they didn't have anybody at that level, transcendent-wise, but they, they managed to have a really good team with, you know, really, really good, excellent players, but not, you know, transcendent, you know, top 20 or all-time level players. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's... Um... I don't know that maybe this is a stretch and forgive me if it's a stretch, but the, the, the she trade kind of seems like he's coming in there. They trade for him and he is getting things done and delivering a a championship to this city. Um, is is it the same thing as KG going to Boston? Maybe not really. Like that that's why I'm saying it's like a, a super, super stretch. Well but Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh because obviously uh Rashid was a big name and not and not to say that Chauncey and Ben Wallace weren't big names, but I, I think that's one of the the most lovable things about this uh, Pistons team and and the Pist- and, and that whole lineup was they they were all kind of and and this is me probably projecting but lovable and kind of <laughs> lovable that, that that's not a. a <laughs> That's not a quantifiable. Yeah, that's that's definitely depending on your point of view, but yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, dependent upon your point of view, but I, I think uh, backtracking from that, um, they all had a point of view to bring, and and to your point, they weren't all necessarily big superstars. She, yeah, kind of, but. I, I think they were more of a some of their parts than if you think about LeBron and the Cavs. I mean, it's LeBron and the Cavs. Right. That, that Pistons team was the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I once, you know, I, I asked on Twitter whether it was more what happened, you know, the the mid 2000s Detroit teams or the late 2000 early 2010s Boston teams were more impressive to you because you know they they both won the same number of championships, they both made the same mm-hmm. number of finals. Um mm-hmm. 
and the, the uh, Pistons went to more conference finals in a row. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and a lot of people said said Boston, you know, and I guess that 08 team was better than, you know, any individually better than any of the uh, you know, Pistons team. So you know, that was possibly the reasons. But, you know, I think a lot of that is just, you know, maybe it's because Garnett is such a transcendent superstar, you know, at a level that, you know, no one on the Pistons was, or the fact that it happened, you know, it was, it was a good story for the Celtics, which are the storied franchise and hadn't, you know, been, you know, a championship level in 20 years and, you know, all, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, but, but I mean, if you're just looking, comparing the two, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, I might take what the Pistons did over what the Celtics did. I mean, it's certainly debatable, but I think it's an interesting thought for sure. Yeah, and I, I certainly think that those, I, I, I don't know, I might be showing some of my small market bias, but I think the Celtics have won enough. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I mean, you've I got agree. Larry Legend, yeah. you know, like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, Bill Russell won come 11 on, titles by himself, so. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Like really, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take away the nice thing that the Pistons have. Right. Psh, terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, so, uh, two things I want to get into before we go. Um, sure. So, I, interesting fact to me, uh, Rashid never made a first or second All Defensive Team in his uh, entire career. So. Uh, is this <laughs> is this uh, a great injustice or the greatest injustice? Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's certainly a great injustice. Yeah. Like that's that's really kind of it, it's. Yeah, no, I'm laughing because it's really laughable. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that there. Um, you know it. it I, I, and I also, the other kind of, you know, player that I sometimes think that, you know, if, if Rashid had, you know, been transported 15 years in the future and were, you know, a, a young player playing now, you know, mm-hmm. w- would he be better in this era? You know, would he kind of, you know, in some ways be a little bit, you know, having like maybe like a Draymond Green type role? I mean, he, he's, he's mm-hmm. a little bit better of a scorer and there's differences obviously between them, but I, I do think that there's just his ability to stretch the floor and also his ability to be a, a strong physical defender, but also someone who, you know, knows how to move and where to move. And, you know, when he was young, at least was, you know, was pretty speedy. You know, I, I wonder if he'd even fit in to better in today's game than he did in, you know, the late nineties into the two thousands, which, you know, again, he was very, very good. That that's actually a really compelling thought. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have a two-part answer. Okay. So one, I feel basketball-wise, I, I think he would actually be a pretty good fit um, for for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, and then the second part of it, I don't know that... Uh, I, I don't think he would have been able to take, like, the whole best friend, best friends mentality that I, I think the the generation just behind him kind of has. Because, um, 
he was always so good with his teammates, but I, I, I how he always kind of went after opponents and uh, his. <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm like. I have, like, one of my hands in the air, and it's going, like, up and down, and I'm just, like, his general vibe. Okay. Um, He's willing to mix it up? I, I, you know, that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I just, I don't know that he would necessarily be a, a good fit in that way, because... Because um, I can kind of see the, the Draymond Green uh, comparison, but... I also feel like Draymond Green is kind of uh, completely opposite of Rashid for some reason. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think basketball-wise, they they might be um, kind of a a natural uh, fit, but um, I, I I don't know. Personality-wise, you feel like there's you know I I mean they both do have. The, you know, the the fiery temperaments on the court, and they, they, they there are certainly mm-hmm. th- things that you can see. Um, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think Draymond is. I mean, they're both disruptive. I think in, in in certain ways. You know, based on you know kind of reports of how Draymond is in you know in the locker room, and obviously um, Rashid's difference in personality. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously they're different generations. There's different attitudes um, involved. Yeah, but, like yeah. I I don't think uh, I don't. I don't think Rashid Wallace would be like an accidental, a dick punch kind of guy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, probably just would, <laughs> probably just would do it intentionally. You know, probably just would do it straight up. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no yeah. pretending there. You know, <laughs> like yeah, I did it. What are you gonna do about it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if there's no like, oh, whoops, I punched your dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right, right. Exactly. It's like I did it. Yeah. What are you gonna do, what do, you about, do about it? it? Yeah. What do you do about it, Tim Donaghy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, last question: uh, Do you sure. do you have a favorite uh, Rashid Wallace story or memory or anecdote or anything that uh, comes to mind that uh, you just uh, love about Rashid Wallace? Oh man! So you you kind of like just um, casually dropped it in the guaranteed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I I love to this day. I still say guaranteed in my text messages to people. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, I will be there when I promise. <laughs> Guaranteed. I'll, yeah. I like it. Maybe I'll try to work that in, although I don't know any, I don't text anybody who would understand that reference. I don't think so. That would be a problem. But <laughs> I mean, don't worry about it. Just do yeah, it. Ma- and they'll pick up on it eventually. Sure. Yeah. Maybe they'll just think it's a typo and that's <laughs> fine. They'll understand. Yeah. So. It's for me. It's not for you. But yeah, yeah, no. Right. Um, the the guarantee sheet is definitely one of my favorites, and you know, kind of, I, and and I kind of go back to the um, the championship belts. I, I think that was just like the sweetest thing, I, and that was another thing that I I, I just loved the whole vibe of uh, that run of teams because they just cared about each other so much, and they they cared about Detroit so much, and. Um, even though when um, she really didn't, but, you know, Tayshawn was in Detroit for way longer than he needed to be. Um, Chauncey came back before he retired, Ben too, and 
and and it was fine and it was good and um and it's one of those reasons that I I, I kind of say Joe Dumars was he amazing or was he kind of crazy like one of you know yeah. it's a toss up to me yeah. um but uh, they certainly captured the minds of a city and uh, basketball culture for quite some time. And so I wasn't mad at uh, their kind of home run, you know, coming back uh, to Detroit to end their careers, a lot of them. Uh, but. I, I, I'm ready for the next resurgence of uh, Detroit basketball. I, I'm I'm ready to see uh, the next big thing, you know? Well, I'm sure Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond are ready to take the reins anytime now, so. Yeah. Perhaps. Next year in Jerusalem, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kim, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the uh, show. So, so glad to finally be able to have an opportunity to have you on. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm so happy. Anytime. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. You can uh, find us at uh, thestepback at fansided.com. You can also uh, search for us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Just look for Over and Back. And also, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.